I'm Mike. I'm Austin. We are the Test Drivers. And we put tech through its paces. And for our 10th episode, let's talk about the fifth PlayStation. It's PlayStation 5 time. Hey! So... I am really happy that we finally can see what this thing looks like. I mean, I feel like Sony had announced probably over a year ago that they were working on the PlayStation 5 and some of those very initial tech specs. But we have a really good sense for not only what the performance of this thing looks like, a lot of the games, but the physical console. There's one thing. We can talk about what we think about in a minute, but you said about having a good sense. There's one thing I still want a good sense for that I don't. How big is this thing? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right it's big it's but it's difficult to tell like i've seen mock-ups online where people are trying to like relate it to the size of the cd drive but i have some doubts about whether they're accurate or not right but i'm not sure how big this thing is it looks like it could be ma- like really massive maybe before they had announced it my assumption especially after looking at the series x was, oh, okay, got it. Series X, more powerful, bigger console, totally get it. PlayStation 5 is going to be roughly PS4-sized. And when I first saw the video, I'm like, oh, okay, got it. Yeah, yeah, PS4-sized, that's fine. But then you're right, you look at these mock-ups, which I'll I'll give some decent credibility to. I mean, if you look at the same size of like a USB port or like the the optical drive, it, it can't be that wildly off. And it is massive. So Callum Underwood was the probably the one that I saw that was best because it has PS3 all the way through PS4 and Xbox One and 360 and everything. And we'll, we'll put that in the show notes. But if you look at it, essentially, it is even taller than the fat PS3 and about as thick, which should tell you just about everything you need to know if this is accurate, which I think it is. That's the thing. <laughs> I mean, OK, I look at that picture and it seems like that makes sense. But at mm-hmm. the same time, like, I don't want to say that this is definite yeah right right it it's hard for me to imagine even if this isn't completely accurate it's hard for me to imagine this isn't going to be in the ballpark of what the ps5 is going to look like it is definitely going to be a very tall very large console Mm -hmm. now mind you of course we have the digital edition which we can talk about here but that will sort of slightly sort of trim it down i guess but this is still going to be much much larger than i had expected so I was super pleased they showed off the controller first. Uh, I think it was a very smart move because Sony were able to take some of the initial surprise of the design that they were going with, like the white and black two-tone and everything. Because by the time they showed off the console, I don't think anyone was questioning the fact that it was going to be both white and black, right? Yeah, and that it was yeah. Go- and, and I think everyone felt like this thing is probably not going to look like what we expect it to look like. I think that we could all kind of agree on that beforehand, which was probably a very smart idea because then when we see it, we're already expecting to be surprised. So maybe the surprise yeah. isn't as much. Now, I was a bit like, oh, okay. Right. Like that was my initial reaction because <laughs> it was still uh, surprising, but I. Was not I was only surprised by its physical dimensions and not by its overall look and feel. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I feel like we've seen this sort of design for years. I, this feels so concepty to me, right? I feel like I've seen a million mock-ups of this is what the PS3 was going to look like and this is what the PS4 was going to look like, but they finally did it. And honestly, I like it. I mean, I'll admit, when I first saw the controller, I was like, eh, a little ugly, a little weird. 
but it pretty quickly grew on me. This right out of the gate, at 30 seconds in of like, wow, that's what it looks like. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I can get down with this. Now, there's a couple of things I really appreciate. So if you look at it from the front, it actually has a nice little homage to the sort of the idea. This is the PS5 with sort of the V shape, the, nice, the Roman right? numeral five. Really, really cool. And of course, you have the ability, even though they've pretty much only shown it standing up. I think there's one photo of what it looks like laying down. Honestly, I think it looks better laying down. I think it's a little bit of a more cohesive design that way. But I think clearly Sony want you to stand it up. I would assume so. I think that's what they think it looks best as. My main concern, though, is that it's so tall. Where are you going to have the space to stand something like this up, even if it's a little bit smaller. Say it's mm. like fat PS3 size. Mm. That's a big console. It's big. So here's a question for you, right? I mean, we know, and you especially you know, the Xbox Series X hardware intimately. And, and whilst it is vertical, horizontal, you can do it either, I think. They like the idea of people putting it vertically for airflow reasons, right? Do you think there could be something similar going on here that like the airflow is better when the console is standing i would think not okay mostly because for a console they have to kind of design it in a way that will work in a ton of different scenarios right i mean you look at like some of the old like you know the actually the original ps3 is a good example that was a console that ran very very warm you had to have a decent amount of airflow to it and I think a lot of people are probably, if I'm going to take a guess, I think a lot of people are probably going to lay it flat as opposed to keep it vertically because it's not going to fit in really any sort of like console cabinet or anything like that. But I'm really curious to see once we actually get our hands on this thing, like how big is it really? Because you're right. It's interesting to look at the mock-ups. It's interesting to look at like, oh, okay, I think it's this big. But until you actually get it in your house, until you actually try to like fit it in your entertainment cabinet or stand it up beside your TV or whatever, I think it's always going to be hard to see exactly how it'll work. But I I feel very confident that they will have the cooling sort of figured out one way or another. I mean, something that was interesting about the Series X that I learned was that they have obviously that top fan, which is exhausting the air out. But the thing is, even if you say put that in a really tight space or like put something on top of it, which is really the only exhaust, it actually still has a little tiny outlet in the back. It certainly would become much louder. But even if you do something really dumb like covering up the only exhaust vent, it still can continue to work and it will still be able to push it out through that little vent in the back. If Xbox is thinking that way, it would be very surprising to me that Sony's going to see like significantly worse performance. Although... We do, of course, have the idea that the PlayStation 5 is taking advantage of variable boost frequencies, which means that the cooling actually could make a little bit of a difference if it works a little bit better in one orientation or the other. I just don't think it's going to be a big deal. What does the variable boost frequency do for me? Okay, so there are two different ways of the next generation consoles performing. So obviously, PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X have very similar specs. The same AMD CPU, Zen 2-based, 8 cores, 3.5 gigahertz and change or so. And they both have the new RDNA 2.0 graphics, right? So just like with PS4 and Xbox One, the building blocks are all the same, right? Sony and Microsoft had the exact same parts bend tools from AMD, and they were able to sort of Lego build themselves the consoles as they needed. The difference is, this time around, the Xbox is more powerful and a bigger chip, right? So they've gone with definitely a physically larger SoC. And because of that, it means that they have a bigger GPU, which is able to run a little bit slower. 
And one of the advantages to that, not only the fact that obviously it's, even though it's a little bit more expensive, you're going to get a very stable level of performance. It's going to sit at the exact same clock speed all day long, no matter what. Sony has opted to go for a smaller GPU, a smaller chip, which means it's certainly going to be cheaper to manufacture and potentially is going to mean that the PlayStation 5 may come in as a cheaper console. But the downside there is that they've had to turn the actual clock speed up significantly. So there are certainly advantages to higher clock speeds, but the problem is, is that there's always sort of this curve when you're developing a chip of how much sort of power you have to get to a certain level of performance. Now, that's not a bad thing, right? I mean, it's certainly very helpful to know that, you know, if I run it at, you know, 50% speed, I'm using 20% power, 70% speed, I'm using 70% power. Like, there's always this sort of law of diminishing returns as you sort of get to the peak of the performance where you have to suddenly throw tons and tons and tons of power at it, which means you need to build up the VRMs, you need to build up the cooling. It's a much more complicated console at that point. So what Sony has done instead is allow that frequency to boost up, to use up all of that headroom it can, and then come back down as necessary. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I don't really have enough knowledge to add to that, but like that was the explanation that I wanted. Right. I I do wonder, right? Like, because I know I've heard you say this before about the power differences between the two. I do wonder if if they're really going to result in 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 that much of a differing experience i don't know i mean my general thought is so if you look back at ps4 versus xbox one ps4 was significantly more powerful right it was something to the order of like 1.8 teraflops versus 1.3 which i don't know the math off the top of my head but that's not an insignificant amount of performance and the playstation 5 also had faster memory whereas the xbox one the original as well as the s oh sorry PlayStation 4, yes. I'm. Oh, oh, it's already beginning, Mike. It's already beginning. You're already, already in PlayStation. PlayStation 5 has taken over in your brain. Oh, it's too late now. This is, this is about to be so bad. I'm going to be saying next generation consoles for the next three years until I finally get my head around it. With the last generation, the PS4 was generally speaking similar in performance, but most of the time you would see that those games would be running at slightly higher resolutions, right? So if a 1080p game ran on PS4, it might be at like 900p on Xbox One. Although sometimes we saw bigger differences like Xbox One games would be at 720p or something. But generally speaking, the games were the same, but they almost always either ran better or specifically looked better on the PlayStation 4. This time around, though, I don't think we're going to see quite as large of a jump. So, theoretically, the Xbox sits at 12 teraflops when you consider the GPU, right? It's a fixed speed. It shouldn't really change. Whereas the PS5 can go up to 10.28 teraflops, but that's a variable frequency. So, it's very much like that's sort of the peak boost. But from what a lot of the rumors I've heard from developers, it's actually not always at that. And it's a little bit annoying to sort of program for, because especially when you look at consoles, so much of the work they do on consoles is absolutely getting every little ounce of performance, right? I mean, that's why you see games like The Last of Us on the PS3 looking absolutely amazing compared to stuff that came out at the beginning, right? There was years and years of development to get every tiny bit of performance out of yeah. it. But even so, if we are you know pessimistic and say that the PS5 is running like, nine nine and a half teraflops regularly that's still not a massive difference it's certainly noticeable and especially if we're getting into games that have variable resolutions which is pretty much definitely going to be the case this generation 
we're probably going to see like, oh, you know, we're going to get, you know, 1800p versus 4k or something like it's not going to be these huge differences like we saw last gen. So I, I think the Xbox will generally speaking, run multi-platform games at a higher resolution slash frame rate, but I don't think it's going to be something that most people will even necessarily notice. And it kind of feels like to me that being the most powerful in the first iteration of a new console generation is actually not that beneficial to you because of the fact that developers haven't yet gotten to the point where they're hitting the headroom, right? Yeah. Because as you say, like it takes time for game developers to create games or ideas or to push their technology enough that they will start to hit the top end of what a console can do. So it might not be really until like PlayStation 5 Slim and Xbox Series X, One X, <laughs> until there are games that really can see the difference maker between those two sets of hardware. Absolutely. And obviously, there's so much more to talk about than just pure teraflops, right? So they do have different implementations on the SSDs, for example. So with the PlayStation 5, essentially what you're getting is a faster SSD and something which, generally speaking, seems like it's going to be a better, like, sort of consistent performer. The Xbox SSD is also custom. They spend a lot of time making sure that it does sit at a very consistent level of performance. But generally speaking... At least, again, based on our early impressions, we'll see when game developers actually really get their hands on these things. But PS5 SSD could be somewhere in the neighborhood of 40 50% faster, maybe even a little bit more in real-world scenarios. So mm. you got to figure that while I don't think that's going to be a massive change the way that something like a lot more GPU horsepower will make a, a real obvious difference to a game, but it may allow sort of certain games to run better on the PS5 than the Xbox. I think a great example of this is when you look at the Ratchet and Clank demo, right? Where they were taking advantage of those rifts to seamlessly move between entirely new worlds, right? You can imagine that those are pretty much full load times of you're in a new world, a new world, a new world. On Xbox One or PS4, that would probably be 20 seconds in between loading an entire new world. But on PS5, that was like a second, maybe two seconds, right? And I think that's a good example of how, while that might not mean that you get more pixels or it might not mean that the the frame rate is higher, but it can make a material difference to the actual games. And then it's like, what what are people actually seeing? Are they seeing power or the impression of power? Yes, exactly. Where you may have a a lower clock CPU, but it feels like things are faster, therefore, quote unquote, more powerful because they're loading quicker. And it's about what things the most people notice. And I would expect that it is more about things loading quickly than how many Ks am I getting, right? Like, (laughs) I I feel like that there is a, a difference there that in the real world, like, Potentially, what we could have seen here is a difference in ideology between Sony and Microsoft, where it could have been that Microsoft were like, we want to make the most powerful console, just like Barnum. And Sony was saying, we want to make the console that feels the most powerful. And like, they are different things, potentially. Potentially, we'll see. So I think it's interesting because when you look at where we're coming from, I think so much of the decisions that we see with the PlayStation 5 and Series X are really influenced by the, I guess, now previous generation of the PS4 and the Xbox One. Yes. I mean, when you look at where we were seven years ago, 2013, it was not even 
close, right? The Xbox was $100 more expensive. It came with Kinect, which was bundled and no one really cared that much. It obviously had a disastrous sort of messaging around the launch with all the used game stuff. And ultimately, what sort of ended up being the biggest issue was that it was less powerful, right? I mean, that is a killer combination. You cannot be more expensive, have worse policies, and a slower console, right? So it almost was doomed to failure. And what it ended up resulting in is Microsoft lost their lead. Absolutely. Right? Which is wild to see. Like, I don't think these things happen very often in this one-on-one competition. Someone has such a lead and immediately loses it. And that was what happened. I think if you're Microsoft and you're looking at the Xbox One going, okay, it's not a failure. I don't think anyone would consider it to be a straight failure. But a lot of estimates put the PS4 outselling the Xbox One at least two to one, if not a little bit more, which I know the PS4 sales numbers are already north of 100 million. So very clearly, PS4 was a very dominant player this generation. Eh, and so Switch. If you're, you know, uh, I mean, we can't well, forget about Nintendo cleaning up. I mean, it's a different, <laughs> it is a different competition, right? Like there is Microsoft versus Sony. That's the competition. And then Nintendo are out there doing their thing and selling more consoles than anybody. But it's a different, it is, it's interesting, but it's a different fight. It is a different fight. So if you're Microsoft and you're going into the Series X, you have a few things that you know that you have to get right. Now, obviously, it's not like the PS4 and Xbox One came out yesterday and nothing changed, right? Those mid-cycle refreshes with the PS4 Pro and Xbox One X, I think, did make a difference, right? The One X was clearly the more powerful console between the two. It came out a year later, but they waited to sort of get a much more powerful GPU. And realistically, when you look at something like the One X, even though it's sort of, I guess the best way I like to describe the last generation consoles, it's like, okay, if you're like a bodybuilder that only works on one arm, right? You've got this huge, like massive arm, which is your GPU. You've got great graphics. And then you have like a little SpongeBob arm on your, your other side with your CPU going like, I could do it. I could do it. Like it was a really unbalanced combination. And especially when you look at those pro consoles with the One X, and the PS4 Pro, they had massive graphics, but they had really slow hard drives and terrible little CPUs. But this time around, it's a much more level playing field. But I think that for Microsoft, after being beaten so badly at the beginning of that last console generation, they knew they had to come into this one with the most power, even if it means it's more expensive and even if it means they take a a bigger hit to the profit side. We haven't actually even stated our personal opinions on the design so series x ps5 or both design wise Mm -hmm. i am surprising myself by leaning towards the playstation i will agree with that i'm a little turned off by the size the supposed size of ps5 i think it looks better though it does is a risk They've 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 gone for it. They've really swung for the fences with this one. So I will say I think the disc version is horrific, but the digital <laughs> yeah. version looks great. Dude, when I first saw at the event, they showed the console. I'm like, okay, you know, obviously, you know, it's the first few seconds you're sort of taking it in. The second they showed that digital edition, I was like, wait a minute, that's so much better. What are yeah. they thinking? It's like this that's guy's this weird, it's like tumor. Yeah, yeah, that is that's the that's the console. But they have to have the disc edition for obvious reasons, right? But like you can, nobody designed this thing with the disc edition as the original concept. Mm, yep. 
that yeah, no designer right. designs that as their concept because the design concept is the taper. It's the V shape. But then they had to put that on the side. I would start to assume that potentially, potentially, they drop the disc in the slim version. You just don't have it. Or like the second version, yep. like it's just gone. And that will be the end of discs. And maybe, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if like, like Apple style, you could buy a disk drive that you plug in. Absolutely. Right. But I, I think that I think Sony here are showing that they do not want a disk on their system anymore because their their main design for their system clearly shows that adding the disk on is a is an afterthought, in my opinion. Because it just it ruins the 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 lines of the design. But I had no problem with the Xbox. It's like it doesn't offend me. You know, it's a different design, but it's utilitarian. And Microsoft have been going that route anyway, like from the the Xbox One onwards, right? Big box, right? Just big box. And that is a design, right? Like, I think that is, uh, there is clearly different schools of thought in that I think Microsoft are more willing to accept the place of the games console in someone's room, which is like, don't stand out be put away right right where sony are like no <laughs> we, we want to be the centerpiece for your room right like i think they're they're the different part and to be honest like sony are sony right like sony are a consumer technology company with a great history of design like that's who they are and i think that they are speaking to that with this design of being bold and being confident and and they've They've done that. Personally, from again, this is we will at the end of this conversation talk about like if we had to pick just one all mm. in, what is it? But from a design perspective, I much prefer the PlayStation 5. I agree. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with the Series X. I feel a little bit better about the size now after seeing a little bit of a better look at what just the sheer size of the PS5. It looked so much bigger until your video. It's not that bad. It's really like no. basically two Xbox One X's stacked on top of each other. It's it's not massive. I do think that the PS5 is going to be an interesting case of that slim version, I think, is going to be significantly smaller. But then there's the other aspect of this, which is Sony have really been very upfront with the idea that, like you said, they're really focusing on the all digital edition or the, the standard digital edition or is it just it's it's just digital edition, right? I think they're just calling it digital edition. Yeah, I keep getting it mixed up with the One S, which is the, sad. the Xbox One S All Digital Edition. Sad, yeah. the sad Xbox. <laughs> yeah, it's PlayStation Five Digital Edition. One of the other aspects of that is obviously the fact that without the disc drive, that's going to be the cheaper console, right? But what I'm really curious about is what does the final SKU lineup of the PS5 look like? Because we know for sure that there's going to be the digital edition and the non-digital edition. But then what's the price difference going to be based on the Xbox SAD? That was about $50 cheaper. So that to me sort of lines out as far as that's probably roughly what the disk drive costs. But then we also have to consider if you're buying the digital edition of the PS5, you have an 825 gigabyte SSD. That is not a lot of space, especially considering that that's not counting like the OS and everything like that, right? So you may have like 750 gigs usable. Is that the maximum they're going to do? 
well, that's the maximum that they've, that they've talked about. Right. That's the standard one then. Uh, that, yeah, probably. But then I can imagine a scenario in which maybe the digital edition is the same price as the standard PS5 and it maybe has more storage or something. Mm. The problem is with the PS5, it does have expandable storage, right? You can connect just like every PlayStation since the PS2. You can upgrade the drive yourself. The problem is, is that while it will support a standard M2 SSD, I don't think, and I guess we'll find out sort of once we get one in the office and start playing with it, but I don't think that there's any SSD that you can buy on the market right now, which will match the speed of the SSD in the PS5. Now, I'm assuming that if it's a little bit slower, that you may just have like a little bit more loading time and it won't break games. But I'm really curious to see what that base level of performance is. Because when you look on the Xbox side, while it doesn't have, you know, the ability for you to upgrade yourself, with the Series X, you have these storage expansion cards, which, while I'm sure will be very expensive, give you a really clear and easy way to upgrade the storage. You can have, theoretically, I guess, as many as you want and just sort of swap them out. You can really clearly see the idea that as you need more space, they will continue to make more and sort of higher capacity versions of this sort of external SSD. But I'm curious to see how they play it out because something else that I think that we should consider is that the PS5 will probably come in multiple colors. So obviously we've seen it in the white, but I don't know if you remember, but when they first announced the launch event, they showed a black controller. So it might just be that they'll have a few different colors of the controller available, but I could kind of see... I reckon there's one color of the console. You don't think they're going to do a black PS5? Mm, I don't think for launch. Okay, okay. Because I figured we would have seen that. I don't know why you would only show the white one. Well, it's their hero color for sure. That's definitely mm. sort of their best foot forward. I guess, to me, the Series X, I'm struggling to imagine what that would look like. I mean, I'm sure they'll do a white one or whatever. But, like, I don't think... The, there's not going to be a lot of crazy special editions or anything like that. But Sony has always done pretty decent special editions with all kinds of crazy colors on, like, the PS4, for example. I'm pretty confident that when you look at that PS5 design... They're going to have some sort of wackier designs with sort of definitely they're going to have like black. But like I, I feel like we're going to see like some weird limited edition like yeah. Horizon bundle or something oh, like sure. you can see. Like I have the Spider-Man PlayStation. Yeah, that one's crazy looking. Yeah, it's red with a big white spider on it. But when we talk about price, right, and I really do believe Sony and Microsoft are going to play chicken on this to, to announce it as late as possible. But there's one other console to consider, which is the rumored Xbox Lockhart. Now, this is a console which we've sort of heard about for well over a year. Specs for it leaked alongside the real Series X specs, which were confirmed to be legit. And the idea with this is it's similar to the PS5 Digital Edition in that it wouldn't have a disk drive. But the bigger difference is it would also have less powerful specs. So most notably, it would have like a smaller graphics, maybe slightly slower CPU. But generally speaking, this would be a smaller, cheaper, diskless version of the Series X, probably called like the Series S or something. So I'm really curious to see with Sony pretty much going straight out in front and saying, hey, look, we have a digital edition. It is absolutely going to be cheaper unless they try to do some weird SSD play to try to match the price. But it's almost definitely going to be a cheaper option Microsoft, your move. Do you want to bring out your console now? Do you want to wait till next year and have some sort of splashier launch? I firmly believe that there is some kind of lower-end Xbox in development in Microsoft. But what I don't know is whether or not they're going to want to push that out for launch as a lower-end option, or if they really want to keep the focus on the more expensive, the more powerful Series X to try to keep that mind share with everyone and avoid 
any shadow of the Xbox One's launch. So there is games. We're going to talk about the games. But before we round out the hardware, obviously the, both Sony and Microsoft are showing off these consoles in weird ways where they are quite cleverly more drip-feeding this information than they mm. would have otherwise because they have the opportunity to try and just get little bits out there, kind of test the water, see what people are reacting to, and they can adapt their plans. Where I think it's probably fair to say that in a more normal society, they both would have had press conferences this week where they showed off the whole kit and caboodle because that's just the way it was done. Um, Do you think, I guess it's two-part question. One, Microsoft have been holding stuff back to try and bring the conversation back around to them again. Yes. And and then similarly, do you think Sony's got anything left? I think Sony at this point have played most of their cards. We don't know price. We don't know final release date. I don't think beyond maybe the idea that there's a, a two terabyte or 1.6 terabyte PS5 or something. I don't think there's much more that they're going to really show. They kind of, I feel like the reveal with the console and all the accessories, like, okay, look, this is what we've got. Yeah. Maybe PSVR or something. I don't think Sony is sitting on a lot more. Could be totally wrong. But to me, it feels like they've sort of played their hand at this point. Microsoft obviously have been talking about Series X for almost a year now, right? I mean, between when they showed it off at the Game Awards, obviously with all the the hands-on and whatnot that we were able to, to take part in. I think that Microsoft is sitting on a little bit more. I feel very confident that there is that Lockhart console somewhere in the bowels of Microsoft. That That is not... There's way too much smoke there for there to be no fire. And the Lockhart's the cheaper version? Yeah, so Lockhart is the code name for, I mean, I guess it would be probably better to call it like the Series S or something, which is what I assume that they would call it. But the main idea is Lockhart would be the same as the Xbox Series X with a slower GPU, so likely a smaller graphics card that is probably a little bit more tuned to 1080p, 1440p, as opposed to focusing on 4K, but would still have all the same base features would likely be smaller and would not have the disk drive. And obviously, with those caveats, it would also likely be cheaper, probably more so along the lines of the PlayStation 5 Digital Edition, if not even a little bit cheaper than that. So you're expecting that not only will Microsoft have a Digital Edition like Sony, that theirs may be spec differently? Yeah, I believe so. Just because there's been so many rumors about this, and I really just sort of, there are a couple of leaks that happened well before they announced the Xbox Series X specs. There was the Series X and there was Lockhart. And the Series X specs were identical, right? They were pretty much dead on. So to me, there's no way that at the very, very least, Microsoft did not very strongly consider it. But I don't think they would have gotten to a point where they built an entire custom chip for a console that they're never going to launch, right? I just don't see that happening. Hmm. So for me, there's just way too much smoke for there not to be any fire here. Now, if you told me that there's going to be a Series S with no disk drive in a little bit slower specs next year, I could believe that. But because Sony has come out in front with the digital edition, and because they're sort of going to have the leeway on price, right? Even if the PS5 matches Series X, which I wouldn't be surprised if it's maybe a little bit cheaper, that digital edition is certainly going to be cheaper than any version of the Series X. If not, I will be shocked, right? So Microsoft kind of have to make their play of, are we going to sort of bring out our smaller, cheaper version now, or do we want to wait until later? So I think it's going to be really interesting to see, but I will be, you can, I, I will eat my words on this podcast. If we do not see a lower-end Xbox Series X 
by this time next year, I will eat a podcast. I will eat the entire podcast okay. word by word. I don't know what that means. Well, that, what that means is I'll get it transcribed, printed, and you'll eat the paper. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that means, my friend. So considering this one's probably going to be about an hour, right? Like, good luck to you. That's going to be a You're going to be chowing down on this one for a while. <laughs> All right. This episode of The Test Drivers is brought to you by Drafts. Drafts is where text starts on all of your Apple devices and launches ready to type. It is the quickest way to jot down ideas and tasks, dictate notes, or draft messages and social media posts. There's no need to stumble around to find the right app. Just open Drafts and type. It works on iPhone, iPad, Mac, and Apple Watch, all with fast sync, so your captured text is always where you need it. Drafts has a configurable editing environment, making it a friendly, trusted place to edit and update text on your iOS devices with whatever fonts and themes you like. Once you capture text, powerful actions and automation tools let you do almost anything with it, like send mail or messages, post to Twitter, save to files in Dropbox, iCloud, Evernote, and more. It is an incredibly powerful application. One of the things I love about Drafts is it has so much power, but it's also incredibly fast to open. And if you want to use it on a basic level, you can and just add in more and more integrations, more actions, more automations over time. One of the things they added recently was the ability to link to notes to kind of make it like linking between Drafts notes to make it like your own personal wiki. Now that is some powerful stuff. Drafts is always getting better. It is actively developed, bringing support for the latest OS technologies and new features all time. Try it in your dock for a week right now for free. Just go to getdrafts.com. That is getdrafts.com. Our thanks to Drafts for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. I don't know what I think about that as a marketing strategy to have two consoles effectively. I think that might be too confusing. I think Sony yeah. have found the sweet spot. It's just, do you want to put disc in this? Yes or no? I think when you answer that question of like, do you want a disc in this and slightly different specs? That's a, that, that might be too much. Well, uh, yes and no. I mean, it's not something that's unprecedented, right? I mean, people can buy a PS4 or PS4 Pro right now. People right, can buy an Xbox One S or an X. Vastly different times, right? Like the PS4 yeah. Pro and the One X are effectively like the 0.5 of those consoles. True. Right? But like releasing the two together, would that would be the surprising thing to me, honestly. Which is why I think it's totally possible that a Series S could come next year, right? That was my initial impression. The only reason why I feel that they may want to try to bring it out sooner than later is just because if they bring out the Series X and say it's $100 more than the PS5 or say it's $150 more than the digital edition, they're going to have some some challenges, right? So that's why my main thought is... Because they're already in challenge territory anyway. Right, exactly. And so if not only <laughs> are they more expensive, but the game lineup seems appears to be very different. Yep. We can kind of get into this a bit more now, right? I was very much in the camp of like, hey, Microsoft, I like what you're doing over there, right? Like <laughs> Game Pass is really cool. That's a great initiative as a way to to get people in on your console, right? That like... You get all the exclusives, it's one fee, and a bunch of old stuff. Like That is better than 
any other game subscription that you can get on a console, right? Like Nintendo barely do one. PlayStation's mm. was good when it started, but they have like it's like what have you done for me lately kind of thing, right? But Microsoft have got like a very competitive offering there. And it's like, I kind of like the look of the console. You're not going to offend me, right? Like, it's going to fit in. I love the Xbox controller, just in general. It's my favorite controller right now. You know, I'm like, okay, you've got, like, a cool marketing plan. You you know, you're getting one of my friends involved. Like, great, we're, like, we're in on this. <laughs> but then, for me, Sony just killed them. Because... Mm. Now, my hope for Microsoft is they have more games to show that they haven't yet. They definitely do. I would hope so. That's what I'm saying, right? Like, I hope so. Because what I've seen, I'm not excited about, right? Like, and even, like, if I go, if you compare, like, the marketing pages between Sony and Microsoft, for my personal game preferences, and you know, everybody's varies, that's kind of the point, like, what is exclusive doesn't do it. For me. I'm not a big Halo guy, right? Yeah. Like, I enjoyed Gears of War, but like, I'm just not really into these big gray games where I'm shooting aliens anymore. Like, <laughs> I feel like I've been playing those games for 15 years. Like, I I look for things that are different in some way for me. And again, like, those games are made because there are tons of people that like them, and like, great, like, go for it, have that. But I have yet to feel like I have seen from Microsoft a game lineup that excites me. Where Sony's lineup, I was just blown away by it. Like I, it, they gave me a selection of games that I really want. So, do you want to hear what they are? I would love to hear what games are you about to shell out on your PlayStation Five, Mike? Easy one for me is Spider Man yep okay okay right because the spider-man game that came out was one of my favorite games on playstation for its entire like the entire playstation 4 history right like of that entire console generation that may be in my opinion i think may be sony's best first party game for that entire generation okay Okay. i am a huge spider-man fan right like i am a big fan of the comics and the movies and like everybody, absolutely adored Spider Man Two on PlayStation mm-hmm. Two, maybe or th- two, right? Like I the think one it was with, two, and like, and this was the return to the greatness of that game. It was like way longer than it had any right to be, but the story <laughs> was fantastic throughout, right? Which is, I love a game like that where it's like this game isn't ending, and I keep wanting more, right? Like it had that <laughs> to it. Um, it, it was just beautiful to explore. It had its problem areas, like the side quests w- left a lot to be desired but i could let that go because there was so much main quest to do so the fact that they are doing another spider-man game this year i cannot believe it my assumption is it's not a full two i just wanted more of that game on playstation 5 hardware Mm -hmm. because i bet it's gonna because that game already looked amazing right with anything they're able to do to it plus the ssd stuff and the fast loading because if you remember, when Sony was showing off their SSDs in yeah. private, they used Spider-Man as the example. Mm-hmm. But then there were other games. So what did you think of Deathloop? 
So Deathloop as well as Returnal both had that similar sort of time loop yeah, style, right? Yeah, which is funny, right? right? Like two games in your lineup have a similar <laughs> act, like thing. It's kind of weird, but like fine. Both of those games look interesting to me. I'm a big fan of the time loop sort of genre. I think that that yep. honestly feels like it sort of works better. Even though it works well, there's many great movies or sort of around that concept. But I feel mm-hmm. like it works better in a game, right? Yeah. I mean, it totally sidesteps the idea of you die in the game. Oh, you know, you got this weird reload. But if you actually build that into the mechanic of the game in sort of reverse time, I love that, right? So I'm a big fan of Deathloop and Eternal. Deathloop is sort of... Uh, Returnal sort of was much more of a, a trailer. So that one to me is like, okay, I'm kind of interested in the story. Deathloop to me feels straight up like, oh, okay, I see what this game is like. It's cool. I like it. I will say, though, it's by the same developer who did, uh, oh, God, what was it? Um, Dishonored, right? It very much had their sort of style, which is not a bad thing. It looks really interesting. I got to say, though, you know, you know the game I'm excited for out of this, right? Oh, Gran Turismo. Of course. It looked amazing. (laughs) It looked amazing. Now, I will say for racing games, I tend to prefer the less heavy simulation games. Mm, Yeah. Right? Like, just because, like, from a... a, uh, They spoke about, oh, you're going to love the career mode. And I was like, am I, though? (laughs) Don't you want more licenses, Mike? I want to see what you're going to do for me, uh, Gran Turismo. But, like... Gran Turismo's quote-unquote career mode doesn't really have a lot of heart to it, which I would like. Like, it, it, it doesn't engage me in the same way. You know, like, what I like about a Forza Need for Speed, they do different things because it's like, what else yeah. can we do with quote-unquote racing? Where for um, Gran Turismo, you're just playing the life of a racing driver. Now, there have been games in the past, and I wish I could remember the name of them, that did this and did it really well. Like creating a career mode around what mm. it is like to be a racing driver and the trials and tribulations of that. And that's what I hope they can do. Because in the past, this kind of like career progression in Gran Turismo is race this race. You did great. Race this race. <laughs> you can carry on. Like it's not really much. Um, and so that's where like those games, I can kind of fall off them a little bit when mm-hmm. really with a Gran Turismo game, all I want to do is just drive the most powerful cars. Ah, Mike, are you the guy who like got that stupid SRT Tomahawk and GT6 and just tried to like drive around Nürburgring at full speed or something and see if you could take off? Yeah, but you know, <laughs> but it's just because, the, because in the past there has been no like story to it, mm-hmm. which has uh, like really engaged me over a longer period of time like other racing games have done. But this obviously looks so good, and I will want to play it, because I love racing games anyway. Yeah. But it's about the longevity, you know, like other other types of games, like even like a Burnout, right? Because it's a different kind of game. I love yeah. Burnout because it's wild. Um, it has something else to it to like sprinkle on top, uh, where Gran Turismo is much more of a, a driving game person's driving game, because it is like, what do they call it? Like the ultimate simulator or whatever? Like it's... yeah. You know, and and that's really fine, but it it sometimes it's focusing on an experience which I'm not as attuned to, which is wanting it to feel and act as close to the real car as it should. Well, like I don't, yeah, you know. No, I'm incredibly excited for Gran Turismo, right? I mean, yeah. Gran Turismo games were like some of the very first sort of racing games I ever played on the original PlayStation. 
I will admit I haven't actually played a lot of I didn't really play the PS3 Gran Turismo's that much. I sort of dropped off a little bit during that generation, but I'm really excited. I've sort of filled that hole in my life with Forza for the last few years yep. and I, I the mainline Forza games are fun. I actually prefer the Horizon games for a similar sort of reason of like I, to me, and this is just real a real pet peeve of mine, I hate games that don't have licensed cars like to me so much of it is like i imagine like oh i have all these cool cars in the garage like so for me i really like the idea of sort of that authenticity of the real vehicles what racing games don't have licensed cars burnout burnout didn't have licensed cars Mm, okay but again like burnout's different though right like true true but i get what you're saying but i definitely like the idea of these sort of more hardcore simulators like i'm totally okay with the idea of Forza, Horizon games, and Gran Turismo games existing in the same universe because I play them each for different reasons. But all that being said, I like GT Sport, but it very much felt like sort of a smaller scope of a game. Whereas GT7, if they really do have... Yeah, absolutely. It's a completely another level. It's like how they used to bring out those like mini Gran Turismo games. Because Gran yeah. Turismo would take so long for them to make, which is, I guess, <laughs> what happened with sport. They would bring out those, like, little ones. You remember the... I don't even remember which one it was that had the little... Was it the little Toyota car? Yeah, it was, a, it was like a... It was a Prius or something, right? It was a tiny no. little, like, two-person car. They, it kind of had, like, emotion to it. Anyway, it's like... They, Gran Turismo have a history of doing that kind of stuff, right? Uh, yeah. Where they'll, they'll just, while they're developing something, they'll put out like a smaller version of the game, which maybe they'll p- charge a, a smaller amount for. But I know, of course, we're both excited the most for Grand Theft Auto V. <laughs> okay, look, I haven't played through GTA V since it came out on the 360. I played a little bit on PS4. I played mm. a little bit on PC. I have not really played that game properly in seven years. I actually think I will play through the entire story again. Yeah, I might do it again. I did it on uh, PlayStation 3. I did it on PlayStation 4. Maybe I'll just <laughs> just continue on 5. Like I don't play online. Like I'm not. I, that's why that's why it's coming to to PS5 is because Grand Theft Auto mm-hmm. Online is such a big deal, right? But it's wild that a game has hit so many generations. Like I swear, they're just never going to do a GTA 6. They're going to just keep rebuilding GTA 5 because it's such a money printing machine at this point. Yeah, it's, it's like a shame because I want a new story, but it feels like that you know that their their players want just more in that online world and so mm-hmm. i mean it's coming but it's definitely not coming soon because you know you would assume if gta online did not exist we would have got a trailer for gta 6 yesterday if gta online didn't exist we would have probably be playing gta 7 right now <laughs> that's a good point actually because <laughs> i mean what was it there's only a few years between like what gta 4 and gta 5 was like three or four years right it was nowhere near seven eight years or however long the actual gap is going to be this time that was the big jump too because like gta mm-hmm. 3 to vice city was shorter and then 4 to san andreas was shorter because they just used the same engine but build on it right for for, the, for those games there were like yeah. bigger gaps so like i don't know, I, I would love to i would love to see a new game i have always enjoyed grand theft auto games um, of I would course. really like to see a new one, but I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hold my breath for it. Was there anything else that really jumped out to you? There were a couple of other games. Um, so the Kena Bridge of Spirits, that one was one of the most memorable ones for me. That was I don't know if you remember, but it was like the one that looked like a Pixar movie. Yeah, like Pixar Zelda. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like to me, I just 
like I feel like that's always been my sort of watermark for game console graphics of like how close can you get to a Pixar movie from what generation, right? Mm. And I feel like last time around we got real time graphics that looked roughly equivalent to like the original Toy Story, right? But now with something like this, I mean, especially with the art style, I'm like, oh, no, we're like in mid-2000s Pixar movies, right? Where we're playing in real time a game that, you know, 10, 15 years ago took a giant server farm days and days to render a few minutes, right? Which is obviously a very exciting thing. But that game really jumped out to me. I will say Destruction All-Stars looked cool, like the Rocket League-style game. It's like Rocket League plus Twisted Metal plus Fortnite. Yeah. Yeah, I, I it, look. I might play it for twenty minutes and go. Oh, this is kind of lame, but it looked kind of fun, especially with all like the destruction mm-hmm. and stuff. But you know what? It's weird. I feel like the game that I am most excited to play on the PS Five is The Last of Us Two. <laughs> is that gonna be on PlayStation Five? Well, okay. So here's the thing, right? I never played Last of Us 1 on PS3. I waited until it came out on PS4 and played through it there. I think I'm going to do the same thing on PS5. I'm incredibly right. excited for that game, but I've waited so long. I very well could just be the PS4 version that's just back and pat running on PS5. But I, considering how close it is, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe it sees some kind of upgrade. If not, whatever, that's fine. I'll just play through it. But I feel like I've waited so far at this point. I want to see if I can get maybe a slightly better experience. Because I remember with PS4, when it was sort of first remastered, they had like a 60 FPS mode, right? Which was a, as far as I was concerned, a much better way of playing the game. So if we get like Last of Us 2 running at like 120 FPS or something on PS5... I'd be excited. Obviously, total mm. speculation. But I think I'm going to hold out just a few more months to play The Last of Us 2 on PS5. I'm skipping Last of Us 2. Excuse me? Mike? <sighs> it's too dark for me. <sighs> yeah. The first yeah. one, the first one, so like a thing about me, my, my game preferences I really don't like scary movies. I really don't like scary games. And mm-hmm. it had a little too many jump scares in it for me, <laughs> uh, which just... it, And it's also a difficult game. Those two things mm-hmm. compared... It was like, because it was difficult, I had to keep going through stuff. And yeah. that made it less of a, a fun experience for me personally. I know many people that absolutely love that franchise. And I get it. Like I really did love the story of it. But that just elements of it are just not my kind of game, honestly. Like that type of game is not not mine. Like Uncharted, Uncharted Four is one of my favorite games of all time. Like mm-hmm. you know, same same development company, right? And that's much more my speed than a Last of Us is. Fair enough. I will say that the Last of Us is probably one of the most memorable games i've played in the last decade that game mm. is burned into my brain even though i only played it through literally the one time i had i never really back, went back to revisit it or anything but like the story and just the sheer mastery of the craft that naughty dog sort of provided with that game to me i can't imagine myself not playing that game it's just it's to me it was just such a next level experience for what video gaming can be that I I can't I can't hold myself back. I agree it's a little dark. I agree it's it's definitely a, a tough game, although I supposedly the newer one's going to be a little bit easier, but yeah man, I'm 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 ready for Last of Us. I just want that sweet PS5 patch. All right, so let's put a like flag in the ground for oh, right no. now. If you had to choose 
Everything yep. you know. Yeah. PlayStation 5 or Xbox Series X? Mm, Mike. I think at this very moment, I would have to go PS5. Mm. I like a lot about what the Series X does more. I like the obviously the fact that it's more performant. I like the fact that it seems to be a bit smaller, a little bit easier to sort of put up in my cabinet or whatever. I, generally speaking, was an Xbox gamer more than a PlayStation gamer this generation, right? So I started out really on Xbox One. Like, Titanfall was one of the first games, that one of those semi-exclusives that sort of really brought me on to the Xbox side. And obviously, I spent a lot of time with Forza. But at this point, Sony have a ton of games that I can only play on PlayStation. Whereas for all of their great work in bringing Xbox titles to PC... It also gives me a little bit less of an incentive to play those games on Xbox if I yeah. can play them on PC, right? I have a cool PC-based racing simulator. I mean, yeah, I'd love to play Forza on my Series X, but I have a triple screen 144 hertz setup and a full racing wheel. I think I'm going to do that on the PC. So I think there are enough of those exclusives that exist on PC combined with the fact that the PS5 has so much stuff that I literally can't play anywhere else. I think I have to go with it, man. I think if I had to make the choice, I would have to go PS5 this time around. We are in the exact same camp. Like, I wonder if Game Pass is great for Microsoft, bad for Xbox. Mm. Ultimately. Yeah. Because I'm in the same camp where it's like, I care more about games than I do hardware or like console wars, right? I care more about the games that i'm playing that's why i buy into the system you know like you're effectively like you buy the system and that's almost like a a down payment on the games that you end up buying because Mm -hmm. the system is nothing without the games that you play and if i like the look of what sony has from their exclusives which i really do it's an easy option for me because i have a gaming pc i can play any xbox exclusive on my gaming pc I'm just going to go that route because I can't like Sony won't give me the other option which I think is for the 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 leader is a better position right like mm-hmm. Microsoft had ground to make up and this was a way to do it but I mean I just think right now as I said from the games that I've seen I'm not really interested in what Microsoft has to offer me right now and even if they do show like a great lineup I don't know if their lineup will be great in the ways that I want it to be. I will say we are recording this at an interesting time where Sony have pretty much put, if not all of their cards on the table, I think we have a very good idea of what the launch lineup looks like, what the next sort of year of games look like. Yeah. I don't think they have anything big if they have anything. Exactly. Whereas we're recording this at a point where we know a lot about the hardware of the Xbox. We've only seen a handful of third-party titles that are running on Series X. There are absolutely a large number of first-party and sort of what I would call kind of bigger announcements coming for the Series X soon. Mm -hmm. And so I do hesitate a little bit to make sort of big final judgment calls on like this versus that when we've only seen, you know, maybe 30% of the games. This isn't like making you eat the podcast kind of situation. <laughs> uh, you can you can change your mind. It's just like where we are right now. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, and, and based on that, I think for, we'll see, we'll see. But I do think that the Xbox could potentially be in a better long-term position, right? Obviously, having a more powerful console will give you an edge in sort of uh, non-exclusive titles. Like, you think the next Call of Duty, imagine how much everyone's going to freak out if the the PlayStation version runs at 90 FPS and the Xbox runs at 120, right? Or the Xbox runs at, you know, 4K versus a slightly lower resolution on PS5. Like, obviously, there are advantages to having a more powerful console, but we don't know what that price looks like. And we also don't really know what the exclusives Microsoft does have that while, yes, they will almost definitely land on not only Xbox One, but also PC. But we don't know what some of those games look like. We know that Microsoft bought a ton of very talented studios a few years ago in preparation for this generation. So I'm very curious to see what some of those games look like. And obviously, I think the Xbox Series X is going to be a good place to play. But at the end of the day, when you've got that exclusivity, when you've got that lock-in, it's just like how we talk about, you know, Android versus iOS or Mac versus Windows or whatever the case is. As long as Sony has these incredible AAA titles sitting on the PS5 that you have to go shell out that four or $500 to get access to, Microsoft is always going to be playing at a disadvantage. All right, our next episode is going to be during Apple's Worldwide Developer Conference week, where they're going to be showing off, we would assume, all their new software, but potentially some hardware, potentially some big hardware altering changes. There's rumors, and we've been talking about the idea of potential transition from Intel to ARM for the Mac. It could come at WWDC. So we'll be recording our episode in the week of WWDC. If you have any questions related to that, send us a tweet. We are at the test drivers on Twitter, and we'll try to answer as many of them as we can on the show. So that is at the test drivers. Send us in any of your questions, and we'll try and get them answered. I think it's going to be a very exciting couple months. I feel like it's been a little bit dry in some ways. It's like, oh, so a little bit of news here, a little bit of news there. We got all the cool stuff lined up now. Maybe you can stop switching laptops now then. No, no, I got to switch to the new ARM 12-inch MacBook, right? Uh, uh, I don't think you're going to get that for another year. <laughs> yeah, but I might get Mac OS on my iPad. We'll see. <laughs>